Welcome to Off the Record with Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes here on WKXL, podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes. As we wind up election season, this will be our last show before the election day on Tuesday, which really this year is going to be the opening of election season, because who knows what joy awaits us following the November 3rd election day as we play the Russian roulette, the Vladimir Putin-inspired game, Russian roulette, American Alexki. We have Trumpelinski, against Joe Bidenski, and we are we are very unhappy because we have been trying to uh, to make your elections Russian, but but not this year. Maybe not quite as successful because laptop laptop bravado did not work. Anyway, now that we've had our our visit from Vladimir Putin, we can welcome our special guest for uh, this week's show, Ray Buckley, the chairman. Ray Buckley is the chairman of the New Hampshire Democratic Party. He is recognized nationally for his expertise uh, in bringing uh, the New Hampshire Democrats from where we were to where we are. I can tell you personally that as a former congressman, I, uh, I, I was benefited tremendously by Ray's expertise, by his guidance, by his wise counsel. We're very lucky to have him in the state and lucky to have him on the show. Ray, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Paul and Matt. So, so let's let's jump uh, right in. Um, uh, I, 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 I'd like to talk about some of the critical uh, perhaps down ballot state races. And just to get a quick overview from you of uh, some of the critical races that you might highlight for state Senate uh, executive council um, and, and the house. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time on it, but uh, I think our listeners uh, will want to know what to look for in some of those races uh, and what they'll tell us about what's to come. I think um, starting with the executive council, um, the executive council has historically, as you well know, long been ignored uh, by uh, the the voters uh, and ignored by the media uh, and really ignored by uh, the political world in the state as well. People had run for it and and it was over. Uh, but the last few years, it's really shown how powerful it can become. Uh, the uh, sitting executive council was able to block uh, uh, John Kristen uh, Nunu's uh, attempt to put the attorney general in as uh, the chief justice of the state uh, Supreme Court. And so that really woke a lot of people up to the actual the real power there. Um, we are, uh, there's one vacancy in District 3, which is the Seacoast Salem to uh, uh, Portsmouth uh, District. Uh, and the others are all and then in, in District 2, of course, which is Keene conquered over to Durham, uh, which is where the, it had been gerrymandered into being more democratic. Um, so with those two vacancies, you've got three incumbents running again. Uh, first is the North Country with the incumbent Mike Crines, Democrat, uh, one last time uh, by a, a a pretty healthy margin uh, in an upset in the sense that uh, he had run already four times uh, against Joe Kennedy uh, and had been unsuccessful. 
but uh, uh, an enormous amount of uh, money and effort has been put into his reelection. I think it will be a close uh, race uh, in District 1. And District 1 goes from Claremont uh, all the way across uh, and in, uh, includes Franklin and Laconia and that whole area and, and then north going in to uh, all of Coas, all of Grafton, all of, of Carroll County, and then the top parts of, of Merrimack, uh, a little bit of Stratford and Sullivan. Uh, so it's a huge physical district, um, but it could be the Bellwether uh, district, possibly. Uh, district 2, of course, as we talked about, that's the seat that Colin Van Osten held uh, for two terms and that um, uh, most recently uh, we had Andy Valinsky uh, and so Cindy Warrington won a very uh, close primary uh, in that race, a uh, very expensive primary. Uh, I think we ended up with nine candidates for, the, for that office. Uh, and uh, I, we don't believe her opponent's done anything. We haven't seen him or anything, but it's, it's very unlikely. It would have to be a very big Republican um, wave year for a Republican to have a shot in District 2. Uh, and so then uh, District 3 is the Seacoast. Uh, that district got gerrymandered into uh, being helpful for Chris Sununu, uh, where uh, they took uh, uh, Durham out of it and put Durham and Dover out, and they put uh, in Derry and some other uh, Republican-leaning areas. Um, we almost won that seat in 2018, came within around 1,000 votes from picking that up. Uh, and uh, this time, uh, Mindy Mesper, who ran for Congress last time, was well-known in the legislature uh, because of her clean water efforts. Uh, between her campaign alone and then the other, uh, between the party and other activities, uh, a good amount of money has been spent that we're feeling very positive about the possibility of picking up uh, District 3. Uh, District 4, Mark McKenzie, the former president of AFL-CIO and state representative, uh, is running against Ted Gatsis. Again, Gatsis is sort of like a no-show. We haven't really, other than putting up four by eight signs, we haven't really heard of any mail. We haven't heard of him uh, at all. Uh, and Mark is, is putting on a, a brave fight. That's the seat that Chris Pappas was elected to three times uh, and became within us, you know, a hair of, of uh, beating gases last time. Uh, so that could be close. Then in District 5 is the famous district that um, Dave Wheeler and Deppin Gatelli have been trading back and forth now for almost 20 some odd years. Um, and uh, in a presidential election year, uh, the the interesting thing to note is that uh, we can't find in history a incumbent Democratic executive counselor. And so it's incumbent is the important part in a presidential election year, losing. So uh, if that trend stays the same, we would start off with with the three seats with District One, obviously holding District Two and then uh, District 5. So the real uh, possibility of getting four seats of either picking up District 4 or even picking up District 5 and 4 at the same time, uh, it's not out of the realm, but we don't really know. I, I think 2016 taught us that uh, polling and campaign activity uh, only so much the voters actually are in control of this and uh, they make those sorts of decisions. So the Executive Council, um, 
my strong belief is that we will still continue to have a majority uh, on the council, uh, just how big the majority will be. The, we can't find any history of having four uh, Democrats on the council at any time. Uh, we've had three uh, on and off over the year, you know, last hundred years, but never four. Uh, so that would be pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Uh, the state Senate, you know, again, uh, just like the executive council was gerrymandered or rigged uh, to be Republican. Uh, and uh, they did a pretty good job, even though the Democrats won uh, last time by uh, 14 to 10. Uh, there are uh, three vacancies uh, or open slot seats of Democrats. All three are in heavily Democratic districts, the Hanover Lebanon area, the Concord area and the Portsmouth Durham seat. So uh, all three of the women that run their hotly contested primaries um, are. I know, I know a little bit about the hotly contested primary in Concord. Yes, uh, there was uh, in the primary uh, this cycle, like the last cycle as well, uh, being a female was a huge advantage uh, in the primary. We saw that in county races, just where it was just names were on the ballot and people really didn't campaign, the woman tended to win. So it's very, very interesting to, to see how that uh, plays out continuing over, over the years. Uh, so looking at the income, you know, we lost District 1 because uh, of the situation with the then Senator Woodburn. Uh, we're hoping very much to, to, to bring back District 1, which is the, the very north country, north of the Notch State Senate seat. Um, we came close in District 2, which is the upper Grafton County uh, portion, uh, Plymouth area. Uh, and uh, so we feel we feel good. We, a lot of work's been put in. The candidates are really great candidates, really great senators. Uh, I don't want to go through every single uh, district for you, but um, you can get through where you can look at uh, Democrats having uh, on a, a bad day 12 and on a good day 16, maybe. Uh, so we don't know, you know where that's all going to fall, uh, depending on turnout and, and activity. So you're, conf you're confident that the Democrats can hold a majority in the state Senate? We're, we're feeling very, very good uh, about that. We might have a few swap in, swap out uh, seats, but uh, you know, the two districts in the Concord area are, are, or three districts in the Concord area are critically important. Number one, District 16, which is um, the Kavanaugh seat, which is where goes Dunbarton, Bow, Hooksit, and uh, three top, uh, the Northern wards of, of Manchester. Uh, Kavanaugh's now been elected twice, once in the special election and the general election feel really good about that uh, that race. Uh, the other is, of course, the race that everybody, you know, talked about two years ago and it's talking about again is the Jen Alfortister uh, district that's uh, District 8, which is on the western side of Concord, we'll, we'll say, western side of Hopkinton, going from uh, Ware up to, to um, Sutton and that whole Swarth even goes into a couple towns into Cheshire County and Sullivan County. It's it's um, was created to become a Republican district, but Jen came very close last time, running a great campaign again this time. And then, of course, the the district in Laconia, the Laconia Franklin uh, seat, uh, will Phil Spagnuolo. Uh, you know, Senator French, the Republican incumbent, uh, hasn't been known as a hard campaigner. Uh, hasn't raised a lot of money, uh, and Phil is really giving him a a good run for his money. So. Uh, that is a, a possibility, uh, depending on uh, other factors that are going on above him on the on the ticket. So, Ray, what do you think 
uh, at the top of the ticket. Um, you know, as, as we know, Clinton eked it out in New Hampshire in a, in a really tough year in 2016. Polls this time seem to show a wider lead at the top of the ticket for Joe Biden. But you're privy to a lot of inside on the ground information that uh, our listeners aren't, uh, that the rest of us aren't. And as you said, um, one thing we learned in 2016 is not to over tilt on the polls. So are you seeing indications? Are you seeing data from the ground level that really backs up what we're seeing in the public polls? I, you know, they're, they're all roughly, if you put them all together and round them all out, you're, it's pretty much that's where uh, we're seeing on internal polling uh, as well. Um, the Biden victory in, in New Hampshire, you know, isn't written in granite. Everyone still needs to get out and vote. Everyone needs to work really, really hard. Um, we can't be surprised by that. And uh, New Hampshire, you know, actually has to go in the win column for uh, for Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris. But um, we're looking at, as as a thing stand in the last 24 hours, uh, with, you know, a, a, a victory of eight to 10 uh, points, um, not much higher. It'd be very rare to get a, a number higher than than that. The only time that's happened is, is the Johnson landslide in 64. Uh, so, uh, and up the second highest was the... Um, the Obama victory in 08. And um, I don't know, Paul, do you remember the, the percentage? Or was it, or maybe Matt, you might, I don't know. It was like, yeah, Obama got 57%. Oh, so it was, so it was a little high. So it was 12 point victory. What was yeah, thereabouts, thereabouts. I remember because because Paul, you just you 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 actually outperformed the president in the second CD. So uh, that was a that was a feather in your cap. Yeah, well, it's nice to have some feathers. Uh, uh, I've had a few, but you know, uh, electoral politics is really pretty fascinating. Uh, one of the one of the things we heard uh, we remember is. Um, uh, in the in the primary with Obama and Clinton, all the polls pointing to Obama, and then Hillary Clinton pulled it pulled it out as uh, as as unexpected, you know, unexpected things happen. So the polls are only as good at at as at the moment um, uh, of the polling, and after that, it's always up to the voters. Well, I've got some. We've got a, a lot of questions for you, Ray, but I think what we'll do is we are going to take a break now so that we can hear a few words from the good folks who uh, keep our our show and our podcasts rolling. And we'll come back uh, with more with Ray Buckley. It's Off the Record with Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes, produced by WKXL. Uh, We'll be back after this. Don't go away. We're back. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes and Matt Robeson, produced by WKXL and podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes, so you can hear us wherever you are in this great wide world. And we're speaking with Ray Buckley, the chairman. And I I say that advisedly. Ray is the chairman. He happens to be the chairman of the New Hampshire Democratic Party. To me, he's simply the chairman. Ray, welcome back. We've been talking about the state of play and politics in New Hampshire. And I'd like to start this segment by asking you to consider voters 
uh, our listeners, there may be many undecided voters. Um, what's your best closing argument in the presidential race to those undecided voters or folks who may not be sure that they're going to show up to vote, which is a considerable percentage? Because by the way, I found out just the other day in doing some research that New Hampshire has what appears to be the second highest per capita non-voting population in the country. A significant percentage of people in the state per capita don't show up to vote. How can we persuade them? What do you have to say to them? I think that one thing that uh, most granite staters have is that we're we're very proud to be Americans. We're very proud of our state, whether you're progressive or conservative, whatever you are. I, I think one only has to go door knocking to see how many people have American flag out in front of their house. And you, there's no way of knowing if that's a Democrat or a Republican. My personal experience, I, I, I believe it's more Democrats actually have an American flag out. Um, these last four years have been tough. Uh, they've been tough on our psyche. They've been tough on our children. You know, as a young person that that was inspired to be involved in politics uh, and took advantage of that as a as an elementary school student, I can't imagine watching the president of the United States uh, in his decisions, uh, in his behavior, uh, inspiring young people to want to be involved, to want to vote, to want to participate. Uh, you don't have, it doesn't have anything to do with, with parties. It doesn't have anything. And you've seen that with the amount of Republicans that are supporting, uh, that are supporting Joe Biden, uh, that when you've got the union leader endorsing and Tom Rath and Gordon Humphrey and Chuck Douglas and the long, long, long list of, of very conservative Republicans in, in the state of New Hampshire, uh, they're doing it because they want to be proud to be American again. And uh, we can uh, put together, put somebody who's decent, who's honest, uh, and will really put the country first, uh, it back into the White House and put us in the right direction. Uh, our, our country, we are dealing with some major, major issues, whether it's terrorism or whether it's climate change. Uh, we've got the issue, the systemic issue of racism within the country that we need to deal with and address. But there's uh, the the level of poverty in for a, uh, a first world country is is outrageous. And even healthcare, uh, people shouldn't lose their homes because somebody got sick in their family. Uh, we're going to put this country back on the right uh, direction, but it takes everyone to vote. Uh, everyone's voice is very important. New Hampshire traditionally has a lot of really close elections. Maggie Hassan's Senate race in 2016 was decided by 1,017 votes. And earlier, back in 74, we had a, a U.S. Senate race that, you know, ended up not being decided, but it was all within uh, 10 votes, uh, of, whether it's five votes or 10 votes, who was ahead, they had to end up redoing it. So uh, anyone from New Hampshire, uh, that is 18 years of age, an American citizen should absolutely register and vote. You can register on Tuesday uh, and your vote will be uh, counted that night. Uh, it is it is so important that everyone stand up and stand together. So I just I, I really appreciate that. And I, I want to highlight for our listeners that um, this year, of course, uh, there have been 
the ability to use an absentee ballot um, by simply um, uh, saying that there's concern about COVID. Uh, but given what's going on with the post office, if you have an absentee ballot and you've filled it out, um, you should bring it physically uh, in to your town clerk. You now should deliver it. Uh, we are just a few days before um, uh, the voting day of Tuesday, November 3rd, but it's critical that you deliver those ballots. You cannot trust the mail to get them there. We are a state where we have to have them in by November 3rd, so please deliver your ballots, number one. And number two, I want to highlight what Ray said, that we have in New Hampshire uh, something which is uh, quite unique, and that is same-day registration. You can go and register on November 3rd to vote. So please don't be dissuaded if you haven't registered. You can vote on November you can vote on November 3rd. It's very important. Matt, I'll turn it over to you. Well, that's a perfect segue to what I was going to ask, Ray. You know, there has been, you know, you were just talking about um, all of the efforts uh, that, that we can make now to uh, get to the polls, to make sure that votes are counted. Um, but we also have been hearing a lot about attempts to slow down mail delivery, to depress turnout, um, and some of the Republican maneuvers to limit the count after election day and set themselves up to go to court and toss out ballots. So what's the New Hampshire Democratic Party, the coordinated campaign doing in advance now to try and keep voting access open uh, and make sure that votes don't get tossed? Uh, we have had multiple uh, meetings uh, already with the attorney general, uh, along with the representatives from the state police, uh, the governor's office, the Republican Party, uh, where we have gone over uh, uh, the minutia uh, of every aspect of Election Day. Uh, we will have uh, over 600 lawyers uh, that will be stationed at polling locations. Uh, they've all been trained with election law, so all of them will be uh, very uh, familiar with being able to uh, see if they're seeing something that's uh, not correct. Uh, we've got another uh, significant side legal team that will be their go-to place that will be stationed uh, in Manchester uh, all day uh, from 6 a.m. Uh, right through to uh, uh, say 8 p.m. or I believe 8 p.m. is the latest, could be 9, um, I believe 8 p.m. Um, and uh, we, so we are prepared uh, to take any legal action, uh, but to offer any legal advice and to make sure that every voter uh, who is in line, uh, who uh, wants to register, gets to register and gets to vote and gets their vote counted correctly. Um, there's a lot of processing been going started yesterday and going on through the communities. They'll go on even on Monday in some communities of the absentee. The process of pro the process of processing absentee ballot takes a little bit of time. And so we, uh, the legislature uh, passed a law uh, giving them the opportunity to process them. And what does that mean? They don't count them. They're simply because there's two envelopes in every absentee ballot. They're just making sure that the uh, second envelope, the ballot's actually in is signed and, and approved. And so they're separating the first uh, uh, envelope with the second. And that is a process where they have to document that and, and all that sort of stuff. So for Election Day, I'm feeling very good uh, about that. We've uh, 
I've expressed different concerns. There was concern about violence. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation about that. I, I think that our concerns have been uh, alleviated, that uh, there is going to be uh, uh, law enforcement presence uh, at a significant number of the polls uh, as well. Uh, and uh, make sure that the uh, ballot boxes are secure, uh, that we you know, know exactly uh, where they're at. Uh, if it looks like there's a recount, then you know they all be brought uh, straight away uh, to the archives uh, so that they can be um, uh, checked off and in, in, in uh, being there. So, you know, because we don't have uh, the ballots that get counted after election day, we're not going to have the sort of challenges that a lot of other states. That uh, it, as long as it's been postmarked, they'll they will count that ballot for several days afterwards. Um, and as we start. California, they they count for like weeks after. Um, it's I, I don't exactly understand their their system of what they do, but their point is to try to make sure everyone gets to vote. Um, I don't think that could ever work in New Hampshire, uh, especially with the first in the nation primary. If we were counting ballots for days, um, I think what happened to Iowa would would happen to us, and people would just lose their uh, their minds over it because they want to have a winner on primary night. Um, so I don't know if that answers all your questions of what we're doing, but we do have the uh, well-trained. We we hired uh, a team of lawyers starting in um, early March this time. Uh, so usually we have like one lawyer on salary on staff uh, for the general election, uh, but we started off with I believe five, and we've uh, added more as the year's gone through. I mean we we are fully prepared to make sure that everyone's vote is is counted and counted correctly. So um, let me, let's turn our attention for a moment to the governor's race in New Hampshire. Um, Dan Feltis, uh, state senator, uh, is running against um, Chris Sununu, scion of the Sununu clan. We had uh, Dan, uh, Senator Feltis on the show a few weeks ago. Um, if you had to distill the difference between Senator Feltis and uh, Chris Sununu down to a couple of bullets, what what would what would they be? How how would people's lives be different over the next year or two uh, if we had a Governor Feltis instead of a Governor Sununu? I, I think our state would be improved uh, immensely. Uh, first and foremost. Dan Feltis would sign and not veto a minimum wage. Uh, New Hampshire doesn't even have a minimum wage. Uh, we just follow along the federal statute. Um, and with the increases going on around the state, we're, we're not. who's going to want to work in New Hampshire for $7.35 when you can work in Vermont or Maine or Massachusetts for uh, $12, $13, $14, uh, $15 an hour? Uh, so we are going to, it's going to be a, a drain on our tourist industry if we can't find people that actually will work uh, in our restaurants and in other um, areas that are dependent on servicing uh, uh, the, the tourists. Um, so that's one. The second is, of course, the paid family medical leave. Uh, uh, nearly every other state has got some form of that. We don't, we don't have. Um, the fact that the Republicans have twisted this into being an income tax is just um, sickening uh, in reality. I mean, if they're they're essentially calling Social Security and your um, you know Medicare uh, uh, 
an income tax then. Uh, it would be a small uh, percentage of your vote, uh, of your uh, salary would go towards this fund that so that people wouldn't have to decide between whether being with their dying child and losing their home. Um, I mean, that's, a, that's just a, a humanity uh, question. So that is uh, the the second issue, and you know, I, I know it's not the well. Two others, so obviously, women's reproductive rights. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the state supreme court. Uh, we need to make sure that we have a governor uh, that's appointing judges that is are pro choice and that will sign legislation that protects women women's reproductive rights. You know, the very first, the fourth issue, I guess, is the issue of gun safety. The very first bill that Kristen Nunes signed into law was the open carry. Um, and while we have uh, not yet had a mass shooting, uh, that doesn't mean that, that that's going to stay that way forever. Uh, and uh, when you've got 70 to 80 uh, percent of the state of New Hampshire supporting gun safety regu uh, regulations or laws, um, it, it really means, shows just how much that uh, Kristen is controlled by you know so many of those right wing donors. Uh, so that's just kind of four quick things. It's really about your family, about being able to put food on the table, about protecting your rights uh, and and your safety. So Paul, I have a guess here. Yeah, I, I have a guess that you, as the timekeeper in chief, are beginning to look ahead to the next segment. We're we're going to have to take a break in a minute. Is that right? We have about a minute and a half. All right. So. Um, Let's do a tease. Let's do a tease. Can I can I tease the next question here? Absolutely. All right, let's do it. Um, all right, so Ray, after the break, I'm going to ask you the question that um, has been uh, on my mind for our national listeners, which is um, people are going to be sweating into their palms and digging their fingernails in on the evening of November 3rd watching national results. You, and I've been in rooms with you, as you've seen the results coming in, and you are one of the savviest viewers of incoming election day results that I've ever worked with. So after the break, I'm gonna ask you, what does a consummate insider look at as the results are coming in to get a clue as to what is going to happen? We're back. It's off the record on WKXL, streamed live over the internet. And this is Matt Robeson with Ray Buckley, the chairman of the New Hampshire Democratic Party uh, and former Congressman Paul Hodes. So right before the break, I had teed up uh, Ray Buckley to give us an insider's perspective on how to watch election night, what he looks for as the results start to roll in in New Hampshire, what's significant what's just a lot of noise, and how he'll know that Democrats are having a good night or maybe not such a good night. Ray, what do you think? Uh, well, it's it nationally is very similar to, to uh, New Hampshire. Um, you, ha you develop a gut instinct for those, uh, those communities. Uh, for me, uh, it's always, uh, you know, I know all 12 of the wards of Manchester, intimately. Uh, so if somebody can just give me the result of one ward, I can pretty well judge what's happening. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we can, we can judge from what's going to happen uh, on the 
percentage. There are some uh, wards in Manchester that if a Democrat uh, is successful, uh, that means it's going to be a very, very good night. Uh, there are others that if uh, Democrats do very poorly, boy, it's going to be uh, a bad, a bad night. And uh, then you've got everything in between, uh, you know, who's leading and who's who's uh, taking care of it. So it, there's a certain percentage that you come out of Manchester with. Um, and it's I don't think you can write it down in numbers. It's just kind of how you feel. It's kind of how my grandmother used to make her pies. <laughs> she didn't really measure anything. She just knew uh, what the pieces were. And, um, you know, you see that with you know, to an extent, some of the conquered wards uh, as well, where if 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 a Democrat's not coming roaring out of Concord uh, with the, you know a two to one, three to one uh, majority, then it's probably going to be a close night. Um, uh, not going to guarantee a victory, but it, it really need to come out of Concord very strongly. Um, but if they they start winning uh, towns that you know Democrat, if Democrat carries Bedford, uh, for a Democrat. Uh, carries Laconia or, you know, the, those sorts of uh, communities that lean more Republican, then, then it's, it's going to be a pretty good night. And Bedford and Laconia are at the opposite ends economically, uh, too. So, you know, you would kind of get that judge uh, judgment of, of, of what's happening. And on the national level, while we're watching Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump, you know, Biden has to win every single one of the Hillary states. So you see a state that Hillary won uh, going to Donald Trump this time, then it, it's going to be very, very hard uh, for for uh, Biden to, to succeed. On the other hand, um, you don't need a lot of, uh, of uh, Trump states to make Joe Biden um, president. But if you, because it goes east to, to west, of course, if you see uh, some some numbers and some you know looking at what what's coming out of that state, you know what's coming out of Georgia, what's coming out of uh, South Carolina, uh, North Carolina, Florida. Uh, that will give us some semblance. Um, and even if it's close, if 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 Biden and uh, Trump, even if Trump is successful, but if they're close in in those southern states, then that means you're probably going to do okay. Uh, in those other uh, states that that we needed so badly uh, last time, uh, with Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, and Wisconsin, um, so we'll you know we'll see. And there's a lot of hope for Arizona this time, um, not only because of the McCain uh, support, but you know Jeff Flake endorsed uh, as well, uh, former senator there. So um, it'll it'll be interesting to see how uh, how it plays out. But you get a sense that was that was the brutality of of 2016, where as soon as you saw that we were in trouble in a couple of key, you know, key states, it's like, oh, this is, you know, it was around nine o'clock. Um, a number of us were like, oh, geez, this isn't going well. Yeah. So um, I, I, I want to ask um, about um, sort of down ballot uh, uplift from the top of the ticket. Um, as we talked about earlier in the show, it, it seems that um, Vice President, former Vice President Biden has had a pretty stable lead, at least by the polling in New Hampshire. And assuming that Biden um, uh, is headed for a, a, a decent victory in New Hampshire, um, what do you think uh, is, we can look at in terms of the down ballot 
impact. Um, is he likely to to pull other Democrats up? Is that a critical component of what we can see in, uh, for example, the governor's race, where although Dan Feltis has had momentum and seems to be closing, uh, Sununu is um, is still ahead, at least in the polling. Um, I mean, what's what's the impact of a good Biden victory down ballot in New Hampshire? Because we we no longer have straight ticket voting. Well, and that's the interesting thing. We got rid of the state straight ticket voting in 2007. Um, and so since then, we had obviously the 2008 uh, Democratic uh, uh, landslide, I guess you want to call it tsunami, uh, blue wave, uh, where uh, we held uh, everything that we had. We held the majority in the Senate, the House, the Council, uh, both congressional seats, the governors and uh, Obama won. And for the first time in my life, I voted for somebody that won a U.S. Senate race with Gene Shaheen in, in, in 2008. Um, but that was a total sweep of, of one party. Um, and uh, we saw our split in in uh, 2012 uh, and then in 16 as well, where uh, we won both congressional seats, both in 12 and 16. So that should bode well for 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 Chris Pappas, uh, and of course for, for Annie about the congressional level. Um, but uh, how that all has an impact uh, with these districts that have been so uh, terribly redistricted. We did pick up the council majority uh, in uh, 12, uh, and we uh, picked up the house in, in 12 as well. But in 16, we did not, even though we were projected to by some of the pollsters, but you know, Colin Ben Oster was projected to have a, a comfortable victory as well, and he ended up losing by two uh, percent. So that was—I uh, I don't know if 2016 was an anomaly uh, or not. We'll, we'll get that. Uh, we'll know that Tuesday night. Um, but I don't think there's going to be the, the sort of quote-unquote coattails that you might have seen in previous years. The, the real coattails in New Hampshire have only potentially happened twice in 1994 with Steve Merrill, where he campaigned very hard for Republican candidates for uh, office. And there was a huge Republican year, but that was a national Republican wave year. Uh, so I don't know if that had an impact. And the same thing with, with uh, John Lynch in 2006, uh, where he, you know, campaigned hard for the democratic majority in the, in the state Senate and, and to an extent the executive council and, and other races. Um, but would we have won them even if he hadn't? Um, that's questionable. It was such a Democratic wave year that it potentially true. Um, so uh, we don't. We know that you know Sunu was trying to create some sort of coattails. Um, but uh, if you look at '94 and 2006, the one thing that didn't happen is there wasn't a reverse uh, response from the opposite party. We in '94 we didn't have a. Uh, equally strong uh, Democrat to counter counterbalance um, Steve Merrill, uh, and in 2006 the Republicans didn't have somebody to counterbalance uh, John Lynch. Uh, this time we've got Gene Shaheen, who's appeared on uh, numerous state senate campaign mailers, uh, on the executive council campaigns as well. Uh, Amy Custer has, Chris Pappas has, so we've had you know the top of our ticket, you know, really uh, invest in those races. So I think that whatever it, edge that Sununu thinks he might be giving, we're, we're, we're kind of leveling that off. 
So, Ray, do you think if we take a kind of a longer term perspective and even look ahead beyond next Tuesday, it's hard to believe. Um, I'm not sure that my brain can go that far. But do you think the parties are changing in New Hampshire? I mean, I just think about Paul's two opponents when he was running for Congress, a Charlie Bass, even a Jennifer Horn. I don't think that either of them could make it out of a Republican primary in today's Republican Party. And there are people who um, we've come to respect a great deal over over the years, it, you know, even as Democrats. On the other hand, it, it seems to me like the kinds of candidates that Democrats have been putting forward and who are holding office, the Chris Pappases, the Annie Custers, the Maggie Hassans and 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 Gene Shaheens are, aren't that different um, than, than they've been over the last 20 years. It's the same kind of practical center left types that that New Hampshire voters seem to like. What do you what do you make of that? Are are, are the are the two parties shifting? They've been shifting for many years. Um, as Paul will recall, you know, when in the 70s uh, and uh, for most of the 80s, Concord was a Republican city um, and elected you know, routinely Republican uh, officials. Uh, Peterborough right. was also a very solid New London very solid Republican. Uh, now, uh, a, a a Republican has no chance of winning anything coming out of Peterborough, uh, where that was an overwhelming Republican just 20 years ago. Um, you're seeing where we picked up those state Senate seats that includes the towns of Bedford and uh, uh, Merrimack and Milford and Amherst and Hollis and those towns that also were part of that very strong Republican base that is shifting. Uh, and what has happened is there was a shift of, of uh, educated people towards the Democratic Party. Uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, women's reproductive rights, LGBTQ rights, you know, social issues. Um, but what Trump, uh, Hillary did in New Hampshire and in other states that are somewhat similar to ours is that they, they kind of put it put it all on um, you know some fast mode because uh, that's how we targeted uh, those state senate races in 2018 that we normally would not have ever looked at. But because Hillary had done so much better and vice versa, Trump had done poorly in some of those communities that had traditionally been strong um, Republican um, towns that. Uh, we picked up those state Senate seats and, the, and, you know, our numbers that we're getting out of those districts, it looks like that that's holding. So there is there is a change. So and the, the change now is education. Uh, the more uh, if you if you have a um, uh, an advanced degree, if you have a college degree, uh, you are, you know, many times more often likely to, to vote for the Democratic candidates than, uh, than uh, Republicans. And if you don't have a high school uh, degree, a diploma, that uh, you are more likely to lean uh, Republicans. And New Hampshire, uh, for us, is one of the highest educated students in the country. And so that's why it's continued this New Hampshire trend. Into the- so um, let me ask this question. Uh, we're, we're coming to the end of our show. And, and I, I, if you could leave listeners in New Hampshire and New England, Ray, and across the country with one closing message, uh, what would it be? There's a lot of stuff on social on social media um, that tells you that everyone is bad. 
and that this is a black and a white world. It's not a black and a white world. Uh, we've got to start uh, learning to believe in our country again. We've got to start believing in our state again. Uh, and we need to learn to work together. Uh, there has been uh, this grotesque partisanship. A lot of people uh, point to the election of Newt Gingrich as speaker in, in 1994 as really the launch of that. I like to go back to 88. I'm thinking really the Willie Horton uh, impact. Uh, but either way, it w it's been a few decades and the result of it has been Donald Trump. Um, we need, whether you are a Democrat or Republican, uh, we need to have uh, a government that we can all trust that's telling us the truth. Uh, when you see a percentage, a huge percentage of Americans that won't even take the vaccine if, if uh, Trump is encouraging people to do it, that's, that's just not what built this country. And so uh, I'm just hoping uh, that everyone looks at it and whether they've ever voted for a Democrat or not, uh, this is the year uh, to do that. Let's get back on the course. Let's return the Republican Party into a party of, of mature adults uh, that actually offer uh, sane alternatives uh, that we can argue about, but still get along. Uh, and that's that's what really builds this country, builds the, uh, built this state up, is really having people being able to work together. Uh, and right now, with uh, you know Mitch McConnell as the Senate leader and the other Republican leaders with Donald Trump, you're not seeing that. You're not seeing that here in New Hampshire with Kristen Inouye and his 79 vetoes. Uh, people aren't willing. Republicans aren't willing to work with us. They can't be in office. They have to be able to work together. So please cast your vote for every Democrat on the ballot. And in two years, let's talk then. You've heard it here, folks, on Off the Record with Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes. We've been joined by Ray Buckley, the chairman of the New Hampshire Democratic Party, with an inspiring closing pitch to elect Democrats uh, everywhere you can uh, in this year's election. Ray, thanks for joining us. Folks, don't go away. We'll be back to wrap up after this. We're back. It's Off the Record with Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes, produced by WKXL Podcast on Google Stitcher and iTunes. Well, Matt Robeson, we we uh, we heard a lot from Chairman Ray Buckley, uh, who is uh, got his finger deep on the pulse of uh, what makes politics stick in New Hampshire. Yeah, you, you remember the expression, it's all over but the shouting? Well, now we just need to get through November 3rd and then we can get to the shouting. Should be fun. It's going to be a wild couple of weeks after November 3rd, it seems. But folks, uh, vote. The message here is vote. Get out and vote. It's your country. It's your democracy. And it's up to you. Uh, we've got to vote uh, like never before. So it's off the record with Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes, uh, produced by WKXL. We'll be back next week after the election with another episode of Off the Record. See you then.